Sundays. I'm Marin, and I'm just a branch, a branch with a purpose. And Barry is here to talk to us about abiding in Christ. But before we get to that, now that he's back from trampling the grapes of his vineyard and his torn up secondhand crocs, please welcome fellow branch and mutual indweller Barry Rodriguez. Barry, good day. Good day. Wow, good you day. brought back the uh, the trampling the grapes. That's actually a deep cut reference to where the, the grapes of wrath are stored. Yeah, his truth is marching on, Barry. Just, Haven't you heard? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's a we could go. We could talk for the entire podcast about how that connects <laughs> to the motif of grapes. So you know who's not here, but is here. Ah! It's Tyler. So, guys, friends of the pod, this is officially the final podcast where you just have to listen to Marin and me. Tyler's back next week. He's actually here. Like this is day two post sabbatical, but he's still trying to figure out how to log into his email. Like he's not ready for prime time. Should we tell them how we have welcomed him back or should we just let him do that? He, he Should it come from his <laughs> Let's mouth? Let's just say his team got very creative <laughs> in ways to welcome him back. Yeah. Let's let him explain everything that they've done. There was Photoshop involved. There were uh, board games involved. It's it's pretty epic. It's pretty it is great. probably the best way to welcome Tyler Bender back from a three-month sabbatical. Yeah. Happy he's back. But yeah, this is the last one. The last one that last you and I are flying and you. without a net, trying to figure out how to pod. Trying to remember. Barry, what's new? What's new? I was going to ask you what's new. Are you feeling better? Last week you were kind of sick. Yes. Yeah, so Very I, sick. I, I had to throw in the reference about the secondhand Crocs uh-huh. because I was that was from last was week's from last message. Week. And I was so sad that I was sick and could not talk about those yeah. Crocs yeah. last week. So just for my own purposes today, I, I made sure to include that in the intro. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I get sick like once a year. Yeah. But when I get sick, mm. I am all the way sick. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's good. You know, one, one, one year, one week out of the year, maybe. Um, just, just takes me out. Just yeah. took, took me all the way now, out. When you're sick, when you're just not able to do anything, is, is everybody in your family super helpful? Does everybody rally around taking care of mom? I don't think anyone notices that I'm ill. <laughs> when I'm Why, Ill. Are you still like working to make dinner for everybody while you're catatonic? Well, one of the great things about being sick is uh. being home to do laundry and do the things. I get very excited <laughs> when I'm sick because now I actually get to be home and do things. Um, no, I mean, just I can imagine you just like hot stove, raging fever, just like getting it done. Yeah. I mean, th- no. So we, we love the Vietnamese noodle soup. Pho. Uh-huh. Whenever anyone in our home is sick, it's just an excuse for all of us to, yeah. to get, to be treated to pho for dinner. Yeah. Um, it's our absolute favorite thing. So that's the one thing I won't do when I'm sick is cook. I don't want to yeah, cook. Okay, good. I want to make everybody else sick with the things <laughs> that I'm cooking. But no, it's an excuse to to splurge on our favorite soup. Nice. Favorite nice. soup. It's better than ramen. It is. Yeah. Better than ramen. So you're feeling better? You're back to 100%? Um, now I think... It's just kind of given way to seasonal allergies. Oh, yeah. You know, like my husband and I are both just still kind of just kind of feeling that that head cold type thing. But yeah. I don't think that it's like last week it was like feverish, mm. chills, yeah. sore throat, like all that stuff. And now it's just like, oh, it's April yeah. in central Indiana. I wonder if it's like our bodies spent a year away from everybody else's bodies. And so we didn't 
like have a chance to keep our immunity built up for all these diseases going around. And now, cause I got, I was sick what yeah. the week before that or two and weeks do ago. Do you get sick like once a year? Yeah. Once or twice a yeah. year. And it's usually 24 hours. This was three days. So yeah. I don't know. Something's going around and our bodies are like, Oh wait, I forgot about diseases. Yeah. We well, only had that one to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. And as it goes, like I had it, then Jed had it. And yeah. so, so far the kids have been able to avoid it, which has yeah. been great. Good. Uh, speaking of kids, I have a state champion in the house. Oh, I do. I have a champ. <laughs> um, Jaden had his, uh, really his final drumline competition of his whole high school yeah. career was yeah. this weekend uh, in Terre Haute of all places. And so that was really fun. He's in two ensembles that competed in that competition. In the drumline ensemble, he took second in Whoa. state. And in the uh, concert world, he took first in state, him Amazing. and his ensemble. So. That's awesome. Congrats. Super cool. Super cool. Is he planning on doing any drumline stuff in college? You know, he says he doesn't want to. Hmm. He says he just kind of wants to leave that as his high school experience. Yeah. And I don't know. I think he, it sounds like he's afraid that it won't be as magical yeah. if he did something like that yeah. as an adult or in college. Or So he's just kind of. Like he's, he, he said it is what it is and he's happy he did it, yeah. but, but he wants to move Maybe on it'll to find else. its way back into his life somewhere along the line Maybe in, in a way that, that he doesn't expect. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, cause he loves doing it and it's really made him such a stronger musician, but he's been writing more lately. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably what's next on the horizon for mm-hmm. him. He is writing some really, really cool stuff. Mental image of Jaden just sitting on the on the quad under a tree with his guitar <laughs> out, just playing, and people are throwing frisbees. That's college right there for Jaden. <laughs> yeah, he would be that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what's new with you? Well, Olivia and I have taken a new step in our caring for animals journey. We became a foster family for a puppy. Yes. We we adopted Cleo through Redemption Rescue, which is a local uh, dog uh, animal rescue. They do dogs and cats. And, um, they asked, well, we, we signed up, I guess, I think Liv signed up. We both agreed to, but Liv was the one who did the work to sign up to become a foster family with them back in December. And then we just didn't hear anything. And then just the other day, um, Amanda from redemption said, uh, texted Liv and said, Hey, I've got a six week old puppy. Do you guys want to take a foster puppy? And Liv was like, uh, I need to talk to Barry. Yes. No. Yes. We'll take him. And then, uh, and then she talked to me and then I agreed and we both were excited. So, so we have little, he's now seven weeks old, seven week old, little Samson. He's a American Staffordshire terrier mix or something. Really? They look like, they look like pit bulls. Yeah. He looks like, he a looks like a little pit bull. Boxer puppy. To yeah, me. yeah. 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 So anyway, I, I don't, I don't really know all the breeds, but he's, he's a, he's going to be a mutt, but he'll have a lot of like pit bull Staffordshire terrier look to him. He is insanely cute. He's so teeny. He's so cute. And what we were not sure about was how Cleo would do with a puppy that small. Mm -hmm. We know she's usually really good at interacting with other dogs. Um, she is really good at seeming to like match their energy. And if one, if a dog is super hype, she'll be super hype. If a dog is elderly, like our neighbor's dog, she'll play with, with our elderly neighbor's dog in a very kind of ginger way she won't like like go crazy on him and stuff um so we but we weren't sure like this is a tiny little guy he's he's teensy and uh, he makes cleo look like a giant you know (laughs) and so but good news she's just as emotionally intelligent with him as she is with all these other dogs she's so gentle she plays with him all the time but it is hilarious she just sits there like groaning at him with her jaws open but she just kind of like bats her head against him (laughs) and he just like hits her with his little paws it's 
It's so it cute. It is adorable. Keep posting those videos. <laughs> okay, I will. Because we're all watching the videos of Cleo play with Samson. Oh, my goodness. I really need to meet Samson yeah. in, in person. Especially while he's still so teensy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How How is it? Because I remember when we got our boxer puppy, we got her at eight weeks. Yeah. And I did not realize it was like having an infant in the house. Yeah. Like, you got you to, like, take him out every 20 seconds to pee. and like, Yeah. But, yeah. like, even through the night, yeah. like, it, it was a lot. Is yeah. it? Does it feel like it that for you? First couple nights, I mean, I think I got up the first night, Liv got up the next night around three, two yeah. and taking him up, getting a little, taking him outside and then, and then getting a little energy out of him and putting him back to sleep. So it's, it is a lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of, a lot of work. And in this particular case, Liv does not want to continue talking about this. So I will just in very broad terms say that the poor little guy had a pretty significant case of roundworms that we've Aww. been dealing with. And yeah. so he was really sick on Saturday morning and yeah. then, uh, yeah, yesterday morning. So poor guy, but he's, he seems to be bouncing back and is just a bundle of energy now. Yeah. So yeah. So it's been Aww. fun. Uh, quite a, quite an ordeal, a roller coaster as foster parents. So does but. he stay with you until like a forever family comes along? Yeah. Or? He'll be available for adoption in a couple of weeks once okay. he gets his next round of vaccines and another round of deworming and all that stuff. And, and you're uh, really not going to keep him. We are, we really? are. <laughs> can you look at me with a striped face? I could say that we are torn about this. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, here's, here's what it boils down to for us. Cause one, obviously he's super cute and Cleo loves him. Like I'd, if Cleo was obsessed with him, like if it was obvious that they were best friends for life, I think we'd have a hard time saying yeah. goodbye. Yeah. But at the same time, puppies are easily adoptable, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to adopt a puppy. So we know he'd be able to go to a good home easily. And we also know that if he does go, that also opens up the door for more foster pup dogs or puppies to come our way. And Cleo being so gifted at being gentle with younger dogs or whatever, could be very good at helping them learn how to dog and giving foster puppies or dogs a chance to get used to being in a home, having other dogs around. And so mm. I don't want to deprive other dogs of that experience just because he's so freaking cute. Now I'm, I'm, I'm having a problem internally. Okay. Because Samson is very, very cute. Yes. And the thought crossed my mind, you know, <laughs> we, we've we got room for another dog <laughs> yeah, in yeah. our hearts. Uh-huh. But any dog that lives on your paradise farm and moves <laughs> anywhere else, yeah. it's like, it's it's downgrading. <laughs> I don't know. You're probably right. There's a little bit of a, but he would still, he'd be fine. He'd have the outdoor <laughs> to run around. He'd be fine. There wouldn't be any pigs to, to sniff. He was, he is living his best life yeah, right now. How could even anything be better than being a farm That's dog? why we got to get him adopted when he's only like a couple more weeks old. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's a blast. We're having a good time. And it's on top of all the other animals stuff that we've got going on. It, it, it works like the first few days have been chaotic, but even this morning, I, he now knows how to go down the little stairs out of our uh, kitchen area into onto the patio. He can he can barely get down the stairs, oh but he gets up real easily. But but even this morning, after he's gotten kind of familiar with the place, I took him and Cleo, and we all walked out together to go feed the pigs. Mm. And uh, he was a little freaked out. He kind of went tearing off when he heard the pigs grunting for food. But then I brought him back, and he was fine. And and by the end, I was feeding the pigs, and he was just going up to the fence and sticking his head through and sniffing them. And so. He, it, even then that, that short little period of time, he's already getting familiarized and comfortable. And so I don't know, it's, it's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, he's available for adoption soon, Marin. So give it some thought, <laughs> give it some thought and, uh, we'll, we could talk. Oh <laughs> goodness. He's so, 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 so cute. Yeah. 
Barry, you gave the message this weekend. I sure did. Give us uh, the uh, bird's eye view. Give us the overview. Yeah, so this is John 15. Uh, It's the second of our three-week mini-series within the series uh, uh, of the Last Supper. I'm not making a big deal out of that, but I just think it's... We are going to spend three weeks in the Last Supper yeah. In the middle of a, what, a 13 week series. Uh, frankly, that is interesting. Yeah. I, I, get, I don't think I ever realized how much attention John gave yeah. to just that one event. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. So this is a big deal to John. And, and really, when you look at the things that are coming across, this is most of John has Jesus doing things, performing miracles, having actions. There's these moments of interactions he has with the religious leaders or his disciples. But this, I mean, if you're looking at like a red letter Bible, this is the one part of John that it's just mostly read. Almost the entire mm. thing is read because this is Jesus mm. teaching, like leaving his final teachings, his final thoughts with his disciples. And these are the things, like, as I keep saying, that are the most important to him because he is, he knows he's about to go to his death. And, uh, and after that, it's the resurrection, the ascension. This is his last chance to mm. really impart truth to them. And so when we come to John 15, he's already washed his disciples feet, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, but that was last week's message, right. uh, to, you know, that, that deeply self-sacrificial act that he, that he takes, which in a way symbolizes what he's about to do on the cross. And he says, this is how you are to love one another, wash each other's feet. Right. So he sets up the whole last supper like that. And then he get, begins teaching when he comes to John 15, he says, I am the true vine or the true grapevine, And you are my branches remain in me. And I will remain in you. That's essentially what he says. Mm-hmm. And and that whole passage, as we look at it, I, I pointed out the fact that there are some deep ties to some biblical imagery that go way back, all the way back to Isaiah 5 and uh, all kinds of uh, different ideas of how Israel was the, the grapevine of the Lord. But Jesus uses that image to say, look, Israel over the course of its time was meant to bear sweet fruit, the sweet fruit of God's intentions, but it bore bitter fruit the bitter fruit of injustice and, and violence and pain and hatred. And, and, uh, but he's saying essentially, look, I am the true vine though. And the the fruit that you bear through me is sweet. So essentially, uh, we just talked about the idea that, um, he keeps saying remain in me. And this word remain really, it's a, it's a, a way of describing staying put, but it's, but he describes it as an active staying put where you are choosing to be to stay in this relationship, mm-hmm. to stay and engage with Jesus. And, uh, and so, yeah, essentially what he's inviting us to is an active, an active relationship where we are, he's, he's going to be, uh, engaged with us. He's going to be remaining in us, dwelling in us, but we can choose to meet him there and remain in him and dwell in him. And as that happens, I argued that, that what he's suggesting is that our lives become intertwined and we become like him. And the reason we bear fruit that is sweet is because we are being nourished by him, the true vine. We are becoming indistinguishable. We're one plant, so to speak. And, and, uh, we are bearing the fruit of his design of God's design for this world. And that's when we truly come alive. So that was kind of my, my invitation for us to consider how we might both individually and corporately, uh, become more mutually indwelling with Mm -hmm. Christ, how we can have mutual love where we grow together, kind of like a, a lifelong friendship or marriage where, where you be, you start to share one another's interests and passions and purposes and love and joy and all of that. We can do that with Jesus. And that's Mm. what we were invited into. And so he says, remain in me. And that's what I argue that means. So, so you started off by reminding us all that May is your fifth wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy, happy anniversary. Thank you. We'll all be out (laughs) buying you. I wonder what, like, what is the traditional gift 
for the I don't fifth know. The weird, they're weird early on, aren't they? Like, isn't it like paper or something? If only there was someone in this room who could Google that. What is it's the, the traditional gift for the fifth wedding there's anniversary? There's no way to know. There's never, never well, there's no way to know. <laughs> Drew's looking it up right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I brought that up and talked about it because we have been doing a lot of reflecting. I mean, five years. How long have you been married? <laughs> We're going on 20. So that's insane. We're the same age, Marion. That's so age. crazy. I know I got married old, but what's the answer? Wood? <laughs> Wood. wood. All right. You oh, easy. With I wood. can totally make something out of wood for her. Yes. All right. We're, I'm on it. I'm on it. Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to make a, ah, I know what I'm going to do. Everyone bring your I don't your even know if she listens, wood. but maybe I'll make like a really sweet, uh, end grain, walnut end grain cutting board, like a big one. Ooh. What's, what's 20? <laughs> yeah. Is it your 20 year anniversary this year? In October. Oh, that's right. It's the wow. big one. Wow. Yeah. The big one, the big two zero. Yeah. So anyway, I, I acknowledge we're very new at this. However, having gone through five years, we are reflecting a lot on what our relationship has been and what our marriage has been. And, and I, I realized, okay, it is interesting to see how our lives are becoming intertwined. And what's, what is it, Drew? China. China. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I'm sure you guys need a great new we set of China. We are getting refined <laughs> in our 20th year. There we go. With our yes. fine China. And you can have a tea party. Um. <laughs> So anyway, I, I use that as a bit of a metaphor and an analogy that to me, it made sense of what it's like when two lives become one, when you, when you do live in mutual love. Like I, I care about the things Liv cares about. I am overjoyed when she is overjoyed. I'm, yeah. I'm, I weep when she weeps. It's like we are being melded together. And, and that, I'm curious, yeah. like how much of that was there before, you know, hmm. this five years of marriage That's and one then thing, yeah. how much was developed out of that mutual just dwelling with one another abiding with one another yeah yeah yeah. that's a great question and Liv pointed out I could have probably used some more examples of how different we were yeah obviously we have a lot of similarities we have similar outlooks on the world similar sort of overriding philosophies and passions but so much of who we are as a as a couple has developed over those five years like she's a four on the Enneagram I'm a seven on the Enneagram you can't really get much more different when it comes to the concept of emotion. Mm. Uh, she, I, she's younger than I am. We've had different life experiences. We, we have, you know, different hobbies, different interests, but yeah, we've really found common ground in so many of those ways. And of course, with all the animal stuff and the, yeah. the new creation stuff or the creation care stuff and all that, that's become something that frankly, neither of us was super invested in before we were married. I mean, we both we're interested and cared I, about it. I remember the little like pot garden pot. That sounds tad. That sounds yeah. very bad. <laughs> My pot <laughs> garden. <laughs> you had a garden of potted plants. Yeah. On yeah. The I patio had like a little, of like your tiny apartment. Little raised and that bed. was yeah. your Eden. That it was, was it. just like some basil. Yeah. We had that and like a hum and a Humphrey, our one little yeah. adopted bunny Humphrey. Yeah. That's how it started. And, and now we got this 10 acre farm and pot belly pigs and, and foster puppies. And it's just, it just is, and it all makes sense to us because it's who we're becoming. And yeah. so it's, it's cool. And I, I also acknowledged in the message, and I think it's worth bearing repeating um, that it is always really a pain to hear other people talk about that. Oh, my happy marriage, whatever. If you're someone who doesn't have that or mm. someone who would like that, but hasn't found someone yet. Right. And I mean, I was married at 34. That's the reason we're only five years married. I was, I was married at 34. And so I heard lots of people talk about their marriages where I was excluded from the conversation. So I, yeah. I did apologize to anyone that that was frustrating or, or, you know, a pain to hear about, but also I feel like it's yeah. a pretty relevant analogy in my opinion. So 
Yeah. And in my experience over the course of 20 years, not all of those years were this, you know, yeah. super rosy, happy, happy indwelling. And so yeah. I, I appreciate that you, you made space for that by yeah. saying this might not even be your experience of marriage up to right. this point, right. or, or maybe it's something that you've been desiring and it hasn't right. happened for you. And it's important that we make that distinction, yeah. but still, I feel like this idea of, as you said, a family can, can be this way it's, as well. Sure. Yeah. A family, um, a, a child, a parent, a, a yeah. your grandpa, gra- you know, grandfather, it could be any, any kind of relationship can be like this yeah. a friendship that you've had for, for decades. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. So then you took us back in the Bible, mm-hmm. you took us back to Isaiah five. Yeah. Um, we just touched on it for a little bit, but why go back to the old Testament when yeah. we've been in John, 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 John for like <laughs> right. 15 weeks. Right. Well, uh, one of the things that is becoming more and more apparent to me, the more I study scripture over the years is just how inextricably linked the old Testament is to the new mm. and, and especially the person of Jesus, his teachings, his parables. I mean, shoot, every single parable he gives, it seems has some connection to something the old Testament prophets said, or something that the, that, you know, you, some storyline in Exodus or whatever, even you mentioned, uh, in week two, the, the, wasn't it, was that, or was that your last message before this? Something no. that Jesus said, it was this one. It was, in this series, oh, oh, I talked connected about to the, to Moses' the miracle. Yeah, right? Moses' first miracle Jesus versus miracle. Jesus' first miracle. Like there are so many connections there. And um, if it wasn't for seeing these connections all over the place, I might not have thought. I, I might have thought, well, Jesus talks about a vineyard. Isaiah talks about a vineyard. What a coincidence. Mm. I don't see the coincidence anymore, especially when you think about what Jesus is trying to get across. So I, I went back to Isaiah 5, which is a really fundamental prophecy. Uh, I talked about, you know, the Israelites saw themselves as the vineyard of God. They carved it on the temple. They put it on their coins. Uh, and I, I pointed out the fact that in Isaiah five, Isaiah is basically saying, yeah, God took this extreme care to make this, the ground perfect. He got rid of all the stones. He built a watchtower. He did all this stuff and then planted his, his vine in this fertile ground. And he was expecting a crop of righteousness, but instead he received a crop of violence right. or yeah or cries right he of, expected a crop of justice yes but instead he found oppression oppression he expected to find righteousness but instead he heard cries of violence right and that's actually a those are play on words in hebrew mm. where the first word he expected a crop of i don't know exactly i'm just gonna it's something like he expected a uh crop of mishpat of mm-hmm. justice, but he received, he saw, received a crop of uh, mishpah or something like that. Mm. Uh, Zedekah and Zedak or something like that. So they're Way like, it's like catchier in Hebrew. super, yeah, super catchy in Hebrew. But the idea is he expected one thing. He got something entirely different. Mm. And uh, essentially that idea of the, of the, the vineyard of God failing to produce what it was meant to produce, that image comes up quite a few times in the Psalms, in Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel has, he takes the image, he makes it, he, he kind of, paints the picture of Israel being like a vine planted in a forest, like a grapevine planted in the forest, which because it doesn't get the sunlight never bears any fruit and mm. it's worthless. And there's other places where they talk about, and maybe it's the same passage where, where he talks about like, what use is a grapevine with no grapes? It's literally, it's not good for burning. It's not good for, you, you can't use it for building things. It's just, it's just a waste. It's mm. nothing. And so it gets it, fuel for the fire, but it, anyway, so you, this image gets picked up a lot. So for Jesus to to call himself the true grapevine, his father is the gardener. It it taps right back into Isaiah five, and 
Uh, he talks about, you know, branches, useless branches being thrown on the fire that taps right back into Ezekiel. This is a, uh, an intentional, intentional allusion to what the prophets said. So Jesus says, I am the vine. Yeah. And you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them mm-hmm. will produce much fruit. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right. So you reminded us that really that's, that is the purpose. We are not, as you said, useless branches. Right. We don't exist. Branches don't exist just, just to, to exist. exist. Branches yeah. exist to bear fruit, which that's right. is a Christian-y thing to say. I kept thinking <sighs> of my daughter who doesn't like fruit at all. Oh. And I'm like, is she even going to want to bear fruit? Like, Does she like vegetables or grain? Um, Cause in, she's, she's into grain. Into yeah. Gra- she's into she, grain. She loves that bread. Grain are, is also considered the fruit of, <laughs> of the plant. So it's not a fruit in the sense of like an apple, but that's a, a way of describing right. the products of agriculture, the fruit of your labor. Right, but you think about it like a branch, you know, is meant to grow things. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's meant to bring new life and, yes. and to create. It's not meant to just sit there and exist right. on its own. And then you likened that to us, that we yeah. as those branches are are put on this earth, our very purpose is to bear fruit. Right. The fruit, as I kept saying, of God's intentions, which is, it goes back to what we preach literally all the time. Yes. But the idea that God had a purpose for this world, he had intentions, and we see it in the story of, of the Garden of Eden, but essentially it's this idea of living in uh, in fruitful, abundant trust in God's provision where we are bringing peace and love and life everywhere we, we go. That's what God intended for humanity. We've chosen to reject that. We've chosen to sever ourselves from the true vine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the fruit that we bear, well, it's either bitter fruit or it's no fruit, uh, but it's not the fruit that God intended. It makes me wonder if Jesus were were on earth right now, speaking in the way that he spoke Mm. when, when he was saying this in John. Would he say, I expected to see a crop of justice, Mm. but instead I found oppression? I expected to find righteousness, but instead I heard cries of violence. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure he would say that. I mean, you think about not even just the modern church, but think about what has been done in the name of Jesus over the over the years, the crusades. Think about the the what the experience of the indigenous people of North America when European Christians came imposing the like turn to Christ or die yeah. and and disease and violence and like you would expect the name of Jesus is coming to a new continent. You would expect a crop of justice and righteousness mm-hmm. and love and peace. But what did you find? Death, destruction, hatred, mm-hmm. violence, oppression. It, it's very much the same thing. And, I, and I'm sure we could look at our modern church today and say, I expected a crop of generosity. Instead, I found a crop of selfishness. I expected a crop of, of hope. And instead, I found a, a crop of fear. Like you could, you could do that with all these different different words. Right. I think there's a, there are many ways which we fall short of what God intended for us to be experiencing and living. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what you were talking about last weekend with, you know, extreme servanthood um, and getting dirty even and yeah. putting yourself beneath others. Had, I wonder, had, you know, had the Europeans who came to this continent mm. washed the feet of those yeah. who were already living here. Yeah. What would our world look like? Right. What could our world look like? Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So 
if we can get a grasp on what it means to abide in him mm, yeah. as he abides in us. Tell us more about that, that active verb tense. That yes. was interesting when you yeah. said that. Yeah. So the, the word abide, it, it, it's tricky because men know it means abide, dwell, remain, right. live. Like it, it can be used a lot of different ways. Um, but it's the same word you'd use to say, I'm, I mentioned this in message. I'm, I'm living with my in-laws or I am, uh, abiding in a tent right now, <laughs> or, or I, yeah, you, I'm dwelling in a van down by the river. It's a place <laughs> where you're living and staying for a time. Uh, and in a relationship, abiding with someone is like, I'm, I'm with you. We are in this together. Mm. We are dwelling together. But what Jesus does is he uses the, uh, aorist tense and it, it, do, it doesn't matter, but it's, it's a Greek form of the verb, which is a, uh, it is not, abide as a one-time thing it's abide as an ongoing active choice an active mm. thing that you are willingly giving yourselves over to that's what he's suggesting abiding is a is an active choice not just something you you, you decide once and it's over yeah so anyway so stay with me and i'll stay with you yeah keep staying with me yeah and i'll keep staying with you right you yeah. said if we are a community that is abiding together in christ if we are loving the way he loves if we're being nourished by the true vine, and if, as he promises, if he is at the same time abiding in us, dwelling with us, mm-hmm. we as a community, our desires will start to change. Yeah. And that was in response to that scripture at the end that yeah. says, you know, if you ask for anything you wish and yeah, you'll be granted. And, and, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that has been a stumbling block mm. for many people, including sure. myself at times, mm. where I asked you for healing yeah. and instead you took my mom home. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you said to ask, I asked, Yeah, but that you're saying that's not, that's not how we should interpret that scripture. Perhaps. I, I don't know. And I've, I've struggled with it too. Cause it does seem kind of like, I, I joked about it feeling like a bit like a genie, right? Mm-hmm. Like rub the lamp and you get three wishes and it's like, he said, ask I'll, anything, ask anything and I'll, I'll get grant it to you. But, uh, one thing that I, I pointed out is the ver or the, the pronouns are, are plural. So he's saying you all, mm-hmm. you, you plural, uh, if you plural abide in me, then you can ask anything you want. And because of that, I don't think he is saying you as an individual get whatever you want as long as you meet some kind of criteria. He's describing uh, when the community of faith is single-minded in their desire and that desire is is flowing out of their connection to the true vine, that is when you ask and you receive what you ask, what, what you plural ask. And so mm. I, I tied that to just Grace Church. I was just imagine if we, as a church, if we were so deeply interwoven with Jesus as a community that, that you know, everything we were choosing to do, everything we were desiring, these are the same things that, that Christ is desiring. Imagine if we were to, out of that desire, ask for something. That thing that we would be asking for is the exact same thing that, that, that Christ already desires because our desires are, are fused with his. And and so of course he's going to give us what we're asking mm. for because it's what he's desiring too. But that's, that's one way to look at it. And I, I think there's some significant fruit to that. There's also a lot of unknowns because there are times when we as a community ask for things and they aren't necessarily granted. Yeah. It reminded me of um, one time my mom and I were talking about this verse in Psalms. Um, Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you 
your heart's desires, mm. or he'll give you the desires of your heart in other translations. Sure. And again, that could sound like a genie in a bottle situation. Right. Like, well, if we delight in the Lord, he'll give us what we want. And I want a million dollars. Yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll give us the desires of our heart. My right. heart desires right. a new car or, or whatever, <laughs> right. you know? Right. Um, but one day in, in, in her reflection, she felt the Holy Spirit speak to her and say that that, that means he will put his desires yes. in your heart. Yes. He will give you the very things your heart should be desiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to hear you echo that reminded me of that moment yeah. that, you know, you said we won't want nicer buildings or flashier worship or more money and fame, that that's not even on our radar. What we want are transformed lives. Yeah. We want healed relationships. We want a community that makes room for everybody. That's what we want. We want to see truth and mm. grace and justice in our world. Mm. That's what we desire. And then the very next verse after take delight in the Lord, this is Psalm 37, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. The next verse says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause Mm. will shine like the noonday sun. Mm. Yeah. I love when I, when I see other passages of scripture connect, like you said, the, the longer, we do this thing and, yes. and we study this word. We see that you just cannot take one away from the other. They right. are so inextricably linked. Right. Um, but yeah, that he will give us the very desires mm-hmm. that he desires. Right. That will bring him glory. Right. And it's a much bigger picture than just, right. you know, a genie in a lamp giving us the things we want. Right. I, I think about it there uh, to use a much more simple human thing. I, I think about, uh, the, the difference between living extravagantly and living simply when you live extravagantly, your desires are extravagant. When you, when you choose to live simply, what begins to happen is the things that you wish for become far more attainable because as you're living in a certain way, the, the, the way that you live, the desires that you have start to shift and change, uh, to where you're far more easily satisfied, uh, because of the way that you're living. It's this, like, it's like, a virtuous cycle, the more you are living out of a value of simplicity or humility or whatever, uh, the more your desires to live in that way begin to grow. And therefore it's not actually that you're, you're giving up all that you want. What you want is actually changing. What you desire is actually changing. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's, that's one of the things that pings in my mind. Like the more that we abide in Christ, the more that we, we are dwelling in him and, and, as time goes on, if, if this is consi- consistently shaping our lives, then when we look out at our world, what we see are the things he sees. And therefore, what we desire are the things he desires. We see a hurting, a hurting person that needs love, and we desire that person to receive love. And that's different than what we might see if we are living entirely by ourselves, right. if right. we're living based on our own desires and our own selfish self-interest. Yeah, absolutely. You said, let's learn how to want what he wants. Yeah so that we can bear the fruit of his intentions for this world. And that's exactly it. I might not even notice a person who is hurting if I am so inwardly focused and focused, you know, on my self and the acquisition of worldly things or whatever stuff. If I was just focused on my own comfort and stuff, I might even miss that there are people around me in need. And so we're, we're abiding in him again, to go back to your, um, marriage analogy. Sure. We are learning right. how to desire the things he desires. Yes. And interestingly, to, to just to kind of 
reiterate this point of the the collective nature of this, where I'm not talking about, we, we are such individualists in mm-hmm. the West, it is hard for us to not think in terms of this. We tend to think of a church as a group of individuals that hang out together. We don't we don't generally think of it as a body Corporate. with a will, mm-hmm. with a desire, you know, but, but that's how they thought of communities in the ancient world. And so when they refer to the bride of Christ, that is the church. Mm. The church collectively is the bride of Christ. So it is a marriage, but it's not a whole bunch of individual brides of Christ. Mm. It is the bride of Christ. And so that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. But I think it's, I think it's true that we as a community can have a desire. And I think we're doing a good job these days of really working to shape that corporate identity. We've done a lot of work talking about our values. What are some of the core values that, that are a part of grace? And what's been cool is to see how these values are now becoming very, they're just interwoven with who we are. Our decisions are being shaped by them. Uh, And they're all based in scripture. They're all based on, on who God has shaped us to be. And so as a, as an, as a community, we are, we are beginning to have something of a corporate will, a corporate desire that, that goes beyond just a collection of individuals voting on something Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, all having their own opinions that kind of align. It's like, no, we, as a, as, as a body are beginning to have. And so my desire and my, and our desire is that, 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 that those desires would be shaped along with what God desires, what Christ desires so that our, our church is in some ways indistinguishable from Christ himself. When you look at us, you're looking at him. Yes. That's yeah. what I, that's what I dream of. That's what, that's what, that's why I'm here. That's why yeah. you're here. Probably. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak for you. <laughs> that's probably why I'm here. Um, that was the challenge to us as a community, but yes. then you also did issue a challenge to us as individuals. Yeah. Cause this is very, obviously it's corporate cause he's using plural verbs, but it's it, your relationship with Christ is a very, personal thing. And I don't want to imply that, that there is nothing individual about this. There is, there's plenty individual about this. What I suggested was that if you look at this, this passage where he says, I have loved you even as the father has loved me remain in my love. He's basically saying, look, I already, I love you. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm in remain in that love. It's, it's, it's already there on offer for you. And so what I, what I thought was, okay, there are many of us who are all over the spirit, the map of the spiritual journey that we're on. So some people I said, like we've been walking with Jesus for decades. Other people don't even know if he's real, Yeah. but I believe that for every single individual among us, he has the same desire, which is to grow deeper in love with us, to grow deeper together, to, to have a, a, a more, a more rich relationship than we've had. Mm-hmm. Again, even if we've been walking with him for decades, he wants to go deeper mm-hmm because he loves us. And, and it's just like a marriage. I mean, you've been married for 20 years. You want to go grow deeper in love with Jed. I've been married for five years. I want to grow deeper in love with Olivia. You know, someone who's engaged and hasn't gotten married yet. They want to grow deeper in love. The same thing I believe is true for Jesus. He wants to grow deeper. Mm. And so I was encouraging people just to, if they believe that, then talk to him, ask him, you know, have a conversation with them, grow deeper together because that, that love that he offers us is there. It's waiting for us. Remain in him. So uh, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but I, that was my, that was my call. Just, yeah. You said truly following Jesus means having your life interwoven with him, growing in love until you become indistinguishable as a pair. Mm. Jesus wants to dwell more deeply with you. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Do you feel that right now in, in your own life? How, 
How is he wanting to go deeper with you? Mm. Yeah, I. It's like I was thinking about that in in my own in yeah. in light of my own life. Like mm. I'm in deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a pastor. Yeah, you mean you even want to go deeper? Yeah. What does that What does that yeah. mean? What does that look like? I, I know where I am at this exact moment. I am preparing my heart and soul for sabbatical, Mm -hmm. which is coming up in June. I I mentioned that at core team on last Wednesday, but, um, it's been seven years. And since I joined staff and after seven years, our, our full-time staff are eligible for sabbaticals. And so I'm going to take my sabbatical. And as I've thought a lot about that, um, I I've been doing some reflecting on where I am in my journey right now. And I think the last few years, which have been so hard, have forced me to rely on Christ in ways that I haven't been forced to before. I mean, it was a lot of dependence. I just, so many moments I can remember just saying like, I can't do this alone. Like I just, you gotta, you gotta come through for me. I need you. Uh, And so it's been, that's been a really rich thing that's been growing in me is that dependence on him. But now as I look at sabbatical, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what it's like going away from work for three months. That's Tyler can tell you. Tyler can tell me. And, and yeah, I don't know. He grew a pretty big beard, so maybe (laughs) I can do that. But, but I'm, I'm wondering what it looks like to delight Mm. in the presence of Christ. Like I'm going to be spending, we'll, we'll do some traveling, but I'm going to be spending a lot of time out in the garden. I'm going to be spending a lot of time with my animals. I'm going to be spending a lot of time just like probably without any music or any podcasts, just out in the sun, pulling up fence posts, doing, doing work out in the garden. That does not sound like a sabbatical. Oh my goodness. That does it sounds, not sound restful. It sounds like the best vacation ever for me, <laughs> but, but what it, but what it is, is I'm, I'm seeing it already as an opportunity to create space for me and Christ, me and God to just be out together in his creation. Mm. And, and for me, I've discovered that that sometimes I just want to leave my phone inside and just be out there. And it's just us. And we're having conversations. My mind is wandering, but I'm not it's not wandering alone. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with him. Mm-hmm. And to me that there's, it's a very different thing than this sort of desperate dependence of the last few years where it's like, I'm clinging to him for dear life. Now it's like, I'm, I'm walking with him in the garden in the cool of the day. I'm, I'm dwelling with him. We're hanging out. It's still intentional. I'm, I'm making the intentional choice to be with him, but it, it's more of a delight and less of a dependence that I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing. So that, that's what comes to mind as I think about that, of like right now in my life. What about you? I'm a, I'm going to look for this scripture real quick. Yeah. Something that you just said. Hmm. Um, I got to speak last week, um, at real moms for the first time. Oh yeah. I have never even been to real moms. Oh wow. Yeah. Real Um, moms is a, uh, what would, it's a ministry that we have, which is specifically geared towards moms with children, kids (laughs) of of any age. I am told. Yes. Um, some, Uh, some programs you might've heard of like mops mops, or something like that are like preschoolers. Right. But this is not just moms with young kids. This is moms with kids of any age. Yeah, And I've heard it's becoming Oh, I've been there a couple of times. It, it is becoming a bit more intergenerational, which is really Absolutely. cool, which is really cool. So super cool. In fact, yeah. so they've got a couple of like mentor moms whose mm-hmm. kids are like, you know, empty nesters or, or sure. maybe they're, maybe their they're, kids are empty nesters. No, oh, well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> some of them are grandparents. Yes. Some of these yes. moms, these, these, uh, more seasoned moms. Mm. And I was talking to one of them saying, 
I, I want your input. Yeah. You know, I don't have my own mom to go to when things are happening with my teenagers or the stress of teaching them to drive or picking colleges or (laughs) whatever. And I feel like I need that mentor mom in my life. So it was very, very cool to spend time with them. But I basically just gave them my story. Mm. I have never told my story here at Grace Church, Mm. just kind of start to finish. And one of the scriptures I kept bringing up was Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of Mm. their lives, every detail of their lives. Mm. And so, you know, picturing you out in the garden, pulling up fence posts or whatever. Yeah. He delights in every detail of your life Mm. because he directs the steps of the godly. Mm. And so for me, I think that's where we're going deeper. Even as I reflected over my own life story, I, I, I finished this message by telling a story about something that happened in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, the last time I was there, the only time I was there. Um, but it was connected to something that happened when I was a teenager, Mm. still in high school, digging through a, a bargain bin of CDs. Remember CDs? Uh, compact discs. Yeah. That's what they were called. Yeah. 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 Um, and I found this one that had like a cool cover and I'd never heard of the band. And Mm. I, I bought the CD as a 19 year old. Sure. And then I'm in Eastern Europe and a song from that CD mm. is being played in Ukrainian. I, I don't understand the words, but I know, <laughs> you know the, the melody. Yeah. I know the melody. And they hadn't had an English translation of that song for the 20 years that this camp has been in existence. Yeah. And because I was rummaging through a bargain bin once as a 19 year old, mm. it was just such a powerful moment yeah. that the Lord delights in every detail of our lives. Yeah. Do I believe that? Mm. And if I really believed that, how would that change my communion with Christ? Yeah. How would that change my abiding and dwelling with mm. Christ? If there was not one thing too insignificant or too mundane. For his attention. Right. Yeah. It all becomes sacred. Every single part of it becomes sacred when it's in his hands. Yeah. So I feel like that's where that's where we are going deeper because I haven't had ample time yeah. to have rich lengthy, lingering, quiet times. (laughs) You're not spending like an hour and a half every morning. Yeah. And neither do these moms, frankly, the ones I was speaking to. And so it was just telling them when you're driving to and from, when you're in line at the grocery store, when you're putting your kids to bed, it all becomes sacred Mm. when it's in his hands and that he can be with you, abiding with you, dwelling with you, even in those moments. Yeah. It's, it's not like, Oh, I've got to, you know, yeah, better, better get my hour of prayer in or yes. my, my minute of prayer. Yeah. That's not it. He's, right. he's not just in those yeah. moments. Every moment becomes sacred. Yeah. When we, when we can dwell with him intentionally. Yeah. 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 I think of the really health, the healthiest relationships that I've had over the years in my life. Like when you're really dwelling with somebody you just want to be with them. You kind of don't even care what you're doing. You just mm. want to be in the same space. Maybe even you're doing different things. You're reading books in the same room, but like you're together. Yep. I, I feel like that's the kind of an aspect of Jesus that we don't think about as someone who just wants to dwell with us. Yeah, um, we really think good. of him only as like, uh, he's, he only wants, he's only interested in me when I'm developing my theology or when I'm like serving the poor, like, no, he wants to be with me on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's part of what it means to, mm. for his love to be on offer at all times. And yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. So where are we going from here? So the next 
message will be by Tim. He is going to be speaking on, I want to say John 17. Yes. Where Jesus prays for his disciples. And it's a very, I mean, again, it's like we're, we're zeroing in even closer to the core of what he cares about because this is his own desires expressed in words for the people that he has been training and teaching and, and entrusting the entire future of his mission to he's praying for them. And what he prays as we'll see is, is a very, very, uh, important and well, it's, it is difficult and provocative thing that he is calling us to. Yeah. I did get a chance to talk with Tim. Um, there was a, a funeral here this weekend and we were both involved with that. And we had some time beforehand just to talk about this message. And mm. I was surprised at where he plans to mm. take it. So you don't want to miss that That's right. next week. Tim yeah. is, Tim is preaching, but until then, I think I'll send us out, Barry. Is that cool? Send us out. Get us out. Get us out of here. <laughs> Next right. week, Tyler's back. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. You don't know how much stress it has caused me to be responsible for the buttons. <laughs> so glad Tyler is back. You don't want to miss it. Um, the should we t- we didn't tell him about the oh, Between Sundays pre-show for Easter. We are having a Between Sundays live extravaganza. I don't know what the word is, <laughs> <laughs> but that is like the return. Of that Tyler is Bender. He's going to be a guest next week. To the news desk. And then he, yeah, brand new Jim Swanson <laughs> official news desk of Between Sundays Live. So exciting. You don't want to miss it. But until then, y'all, you know what I'm going to say. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your gun. We'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs>